Jeremy Davis has been sharing the gospel through sports for years now. While it may be in a variety of different ways and capacities in some ways that are still changing to this day, he continues to put Jesus first in everything that he does. Jeremy played football at UConn and went on to play in the NFL for three different teams. As someone who had one of the most prolific careers for a wide receiver at UConn, he dedicates everything that he has to Christ and has done that since before even playing in college. Even through injuries and uncertainties and hardship, there is so much to be said about what God has been able to do through him. But now that he's concluded his playing career on the gridiron, Jeremy has shifted his mindset to a set of irons. As he is the host of the YouTube channel Golf and Gospel, he interviews athletes and the like about their playing career, what they faced as someone who loves sports, and how their faith shapes everything that they do. You've got to go check it out. I will definitely make sure to put the link in the description for that. Uh, but it's such a great resource for everyone out there, whether you're a Christian athlete or a fan or a parent or a coach, who matter, no matter who you are, it's an awesome, awesome watch. It's such a unique idea, and I wanted to have him on to just talk more about this ministry and, of course, about his awesome playing career as a football player. Jeremy is not ashamed of the gospel, and you can sense that passion that he has for Jesus through our conversation today. I am Ken Burke, and welcome back to the Competing for Christ podcast. Jeremy Davis, it is an honor and a privilege, sir, to have you on the podcast. How are you doing today? Doing great, man. Happy to be on your channel or your podcast, bro. Saw my dog, Chris Elliott, on here not too long ago, man. So happy you invited me on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I saw that uh, you and him were connected, and I did not stop at the at the idea of having having you on for sure. With your background in the NFL and now with golf, it's just crazy what you're doing, and we're going to talk about everything that you're, you've been involved in. Uh, but Jeremy, please give us some background on yourself and how God has impacted your life and how you view sports. Yeah, man. So I'm originally from... Well, I was born in Memphis, Tennessee, but I always say I was raised in Norcross, Georgia. It's where I went to high school. Uh, played under now the winningest head coach in Gwinnett County history, Keith Maloof. Had a successful high school career where I earned a scholarship to the University of Connecticut. Uh, so go Huskies. And yeah, my first year at UConn, man, was amazing. Went to the Fiesta Bowl. I didn't play. I redshirted, man. But uh, it was just amazing to get to that stage coming from UConn. So then I had these expectations, like, man, I hope we could just keep going to bowls. And then that coach left. And then from team success, everything just went downhill, man. But uh, unfortunately, I was able to uh, get past the situation of, uh, of the team failures and still was able to get drafted in the sixth round to the Giants. And in 2015, went on to play a, a pretty decent career, six years in the NFL, mainly staying uh, in the league because of my special team uh, abilities, which was huge for me. And, uh, yeah, man, now I'm just, you know, uh, got a lovely fiancé, uh, you know, just living my life post-football now and uh, still going to find Christ while doing everything. Yeah, I, I would love uh, to talk more right now about your, your time at UConn. I mean, you had one of the best careers ever of any player at UConn uh, in, in the history of the football program. What made you want to stay at UConn, even through those those bad, hard, hard years, I'm sure? 
Well, I would say at the receiver position, I, I was probably more prolific at that specific position. Uh, but, man, I think for me it's just wanting to stay with the guys I came in with. Uh, and it's funny you asked me that question because, like, nowadays, man, it's just like with the transfer portal, like any slight adversity, mm-hmm. kids just run. You know, and they don't know how to just thug it out and just kind of like. Now, I get it. If there's a, a true conviction and maybe you're a junior, you're not really playing, you want to transfer, you want to play, transfer. But now it's just like, oh, the coach yelled at me once, want to get out of there and all that yeah. type of stuff, man. But now I want to finish playing with the guys I came in with. But come to find out, it was funny when I went to the combine, I, I did have an opportunity to transfer. Um, it was, a, I don't remember the coach's name, but he was at the University of Missouri. And. At that time, Dorio Green Beckham just got dismissed from Missouri with Oklahoma, so they were looking for another X receiver. Now, obviously, I, back then, it's you can't just hit up a, high, a college kid and just talk to him. Um, but uh, I think after they saw like my favorite coach ever until this day, he's still my favorite coach. His name is T.J. Weiss. When he didn't get re-signed, which I still think he should have, uh, I think Missouri had some hopes that I would have transferred. And they were going to try to get me. So when I went to the combine, I met this one coach who was coaching NFL now. And he was like, yeah, man, I coached at Missouri, man. We were hoping you were going to transfer because we could have definitely used you and stuff. And I was like, dang, it been crazy playing the SEC. But, yeah, long long story short, yeah, I just wanted to finish playing with, you know, uh, my teammates, man. Guys like Byron Jones who went on to play in the NFL as well. Uh, Gus Cruz, Tommy Brown, uh, Angelo Pruitt, uh, Chandler Whitmer. I just wanted to start, uh, stay with them guys. Yeah, yeah, I completely understand that. It's very respectable too. And through that, through that time, through your collegiate career, how were you able to maintain your relationship with Christ? Because I, I'm sure that was difficult at times being a collegiate athlete. Yeah, man, it's funny you ask. Um, so the, the the thing that comes to my head is uh, Hebrews ten twenty five. It says, "Do not neglect meeting together, as a habit of some, but continue to encourage each other as the days draw near." And I see why it's encouraging us to do that, man, because this walk is difficult when you're trying to do it alone or in isolation. So to, to keep myself rooted in the faith, man, it was athletes in action was huge for me. It's kind of like FCA. Yeah. Uh, sports ministry was huge for me. I was getting discipled by a guy named my name, uh, John Vampatella. Call him Jay Vamp. Um, that's my guy, man. He just really rooted me in Christ through our one-on-one discipleships. And then I had really good friends and uh, Bobby Puyo and Marquise Van at the time um, who were accountability partners, guys that were encouraging you in the faith. And the reason why I specifically say those two guys is because nowadays, man, like everyone would just say, oh, I'm a Christian or I believe in God. But, you know, James 1.22, it says not only being hearers of the word, but being doers. And Bobby and Marquise, which we call Took, like we always encourage each other to be doers of the word. And, 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 through their conviction and encouragement, man, like that's what helped me stay solidified and walking this thing out as best that I could. Yeah. Yeah. You're so right. It's so easy to call yourself a Christian and wear a cross around your neck and say, you know, get a, get a cross tattoo or a Bible verse tattoo, but living that out is a completely different story. And I think that's a, it's, it can be really, be really hard to see the difference in people because you know they say they're they're saying they're a Christian, but they're not living that out. Uh, it's difficult sometimes. But uh, Jeremy, I, I found a quote from an article somebody wrote about you in 2013. Uh, this is actually it was pretty good. I, I like this quote. It says. 
This year, I am in a strong relationship with Christ, and I want to build a platform and just do right and let everybody know that I am a believer, and I trust him, and I put everything in my life in his hands. Even though we are 0-9, I still want to show him that I am still grateful, that I am still playing, and I am still surrounded by great guys and having a pretty good season. What are your thoughts on that 10 years later? I I think that still holds true. Yeah. You know, obviously it's more attractive— or it's going to be more viewership if we were winning. Mm. And I say, oh, God, it's great. I want to glorify God. But, like, will you still do that when you're losing? If God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, then I should still be able to proclaim that no matter what's going on. And uh, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be, that's where I'm looking for, a seasonal Christian. If things are going well, I'll boast of him. But if things are going bad, then I don't want to talk about it. I need to deny my flesh no matter what season it is and still boast of him. If I truly believe that God is good and I truly believe that we have eternal salvation through his son, I'm going to continue to boast about that no matter where I'm at. So, like I said, we were, we were 0-9, um, and I was having a good year for sure from an individual standpoint, but, you know, God is still good. Now, granted, I don't know if you're going to, read this quote too the very next year i battled injuries didn't have as good of a season and i got interviewed and i said somewhere along these lines i said if i'm able to boast in christ while having a thousand yards i can boast in christ during injuries with 551 yards and that holds true as well now again is it going to be as attractive because statistically i'm not doing as well probably not but for the people that do read that i hope there's some uh, some conviction, like man, this 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 Jesus or this God, well, they're one. They're obviously the same. Must be something true about it if He's still boasting in it in a low season, and that's all I want it, for you to still see Christ even, you know, through a down season. It, it makes me think of Matthew five sixteen. It says, "Let your light shine before others, that may see your good works, but glorify your Father in heaven." So see what I'm saying for sure, but don't glorify me. I want you guys to be glorified, Christ. Yeah, I mean, you know, Romans 12 talks about don't be conformed to this world. When everybody else, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people on that team when you were 0 and 9 just, you know, riding off the season, they didn't want to they didn't want to talk about Jesus because they thought that he wasn't with them. Uh and yeah, I mean, you stand out when you proclaim the name of Jesus even especially when you're 0 and 9 or injured or whatever it may be. I think yeah. it's a great great mindset to have as a Christian athlete. But you know, Jeremy, as a as an NFL guy, how were you? What was the hardest part of living out your faith as a as a, in the NFL? Because, from what I understand, you know, the NFL stands for not for long. So, yeah. how how were you able to prioritize that? So, as soon as I got into the league, man, I made it a priority. Find out who were true believers. Mm. Um, so I got drafted by the Giants. I was able to build relationships with Prince Mukamore and Trevin Wade, uh, two guys again who are not only hearers of the word, but doers. And kind of made sure I kind of stayed in relationship with them. They both played defensive back, so they always had each other kind of, you know, follow each other and, and uplift each other from a positional standpoint. Um, but anytime we cross paths or anytime I able to go to lunch or sit with them in the cafeteria, I wanted to make sure I did. So that's not to say I neglected sitting with other positions, but uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't want what they warn us about to become true in my life. Um, so it's like, man, let's, let's nip it early, man, as opposed to saying, let me dip my toe in the world 
taste it a little bit, and then try to get out. Because some people get stuck with just putting their toe in and their legs in and now their full bodies in. Now they're going down the whole whirlwind with that situation, man. So I just made sure to just nip it now. I made sure to talk about my faith when I was at the combine. Made sure I talked about my faith as soon as I got to the league, man. Because now I've established who I am in Christ. And now I have a conviction that I have to uphold this, what I'm boasting about, you know. Because uh, I always say for a lot of us, when I was at the combine, it's three things that uh, scouts or coaches ask, like, what is the most important thing in your life? And the only thing you're allowed to put before football is God and family. And a lot of people say God, family, football. And I always say if that's true, then that should be walked out. If you truly believe that it's God, family, football. Um, but I think nowadays uh, it's just become like the correct thing to say or the, the appropriate thing to say that that uh, coaches and scouts will allow. Um, but rarely walked out. You hear it. I mean, especially, you know, uh, in the South. I mean, you you're, they're preach God, family, football. That's all, that's what it is every Friday night, every Saturday. It's, it's part of their DNA down there. And I'm sure it's it's... It can be watered down Christianity in a way because, you know, you're kind of putting all three of those things on the same pedestal. But I I think it's 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 so crucial to be able to allow God into every facet of your life. And I think it's a necessity, too. And, you know, you mentioned the combine, you know, being in the NFL. How did injuries play out in your career? Because, you know, every athlete battles with it. It, It's such a hard thing to do. What was your mindset during that? I would say it was nerve-wracking, and, and this is why. I I, never, I didn't have – well, it's hard to say that now. I guess in college, I, I didn't have a, a injury-filled career in college. Unfortunately, my my senior year, I was battled with that with a high ankle sprain, but typically healthy guy. And as soon as I got into the league, man, I started to just take on so many hamstring soft tissue injuries. And I remember when I first, like, felt my hamstring getting tight, I just wanted to go in the training room, get it checked out, and just get some maintenance. I was good. And then I think one time we were in, like, stretch lines, and the coach comes up to me, and he says, um, hey, what's this I hear about your hamstring and stuff? And I was like, oh, I'm good. I just want to get some maintenance and stuff and just make sure it's okay. Then that coach said, well, you better figure it out or else. And in my head, I'm a six-round pick. I'm like, yo, what, is it, what does that mean? So now I have this fear of going into the training room just to get maintenance. So now I'm just trying mm-hmm. to, like, hide injuries and – and I was taking care of myself, but it, but the athletic trainers know more than me about you know soft tissues and muscular and all that type of stuff. So now I'm I'm avoiding going in there because I don't know what else means. And then, you know, unfortunately, I'm just trying to fight through hamstring pains. And now I'm starting to pull my hamstrings, and they became chronic throughout my my career. And truth be told, man, like it it, it was it was not joyful at all. Um, it was kind of annoying, bro, because I feel like every time breakthrough was about to come, hamstring pull would come. And I started to get some frustration, some anger at the Lord. He can take that. Like, it's not like he doesn't know what my heart's saying. But, you know, I, I just I just built up so much frustration because one of my favorite verses is Galatians 6, 9. It says, do not grow weary in doing good in due season. You will reap if you don't give up. And I'm like, man, I'm not seeing the fruits. You know, and a lot of times we want to see fruits in our occupations and stuff, but this hamstring injury just keeps on reoccurring. So every time I pulled it, man, I just kind of felt 
I feel like I was resenting the Lord because if I could come to you as Jehovah Rophi, the God who heals, like you can, you can clearly heal my hamstring. But you are sovereign and you're choosing not to, which is like, why? And um, it was just frustrating, bro. But it wasn't until I got to the Detroit Lions in year six. Uh, I remember I was reading Philippians 4. Now, when you hear Philippians 4, everyone goes straight to Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ and strengthens me, for sure. But if you go up two verses, Paul's writing, looks at Philippians 4.11, he says, not that I am in need, but in whatever situation I'm in, I have learned, learned to be content. Mm -hmm. And I started to learn to find contentment, which it's not complacency, contentment in hamstring pulls. And I've always known my identity was in Christ and not in football. But once I did that, I got cut from Detroit, I found contentment. And it was a weird feeling. Not to say it's always going to be a feeling because Paul said, I had to learn this. So throughout my training camp, I'm learning contentment. I'm learning it to the point when I got cut. One, I wasn't mad at Detroit because I'm like, I understand. Like, I'm kind of damaged goods because my hamstrings are just bad. Uh, so I wasn't really mad at them for cutting me. But I, I, didn't, I didn't have that resentment toward the Lord. You know, the only thing that's kind of... I'd say still frustrating that kind of sneaks in my head is I never got to see the fruits of Galatians 6 9. And maybe that's not supposed to come in football. Maybe, and I think we're going to talk about it, maybe it's supposed to come in golf and gospel. Maybe it's supposed to come in me being a trainer. Um, but yeah, it always just bothered me, man, how much I sold into being the receiver I hoped to be. I never saw the reaping. Uh, but again, I learned to be content in that. I mean, that, there's a lot of lessons learned there. First of all, I feel you with the hamstrings. I had a lot of hamstrings in my career, hamstring injuries, injuries in my career. They're tough. Yeah. I hate them. Yeah. Uh, but also, yeah, when I mean, I'm sure when that coach came up to you uh, and said that, like, you better, you, or else. That scarred me. Oh, yeah. 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 I guarantee it because I'm sure, like, not only did it scar you, it made you, like, kind of tense up when you're playing to make sure that you don't damage those hamstrings. Yeah. And then in sure. return, you damage your hamstring because you're, you know, you're pressing too much. It's funny too. The other thing too, bro, it was, it was a lot of other injuries I had, but I'm afraid to document them because it's like that might, that might give them a reason to cut me. I'll have a knee issue and it's like, I can't say nothing. Like mm. you're looking to get rid of me. So I have to just use Tylenol, Toradol, whatever, and just fight through it, bro. I was, I was never, because like I said, I was a six-round pick, and I, like I said, I was only with the Giants a year and a half. Then I went to the Chargers. And I still had hamstring injuries there. Um, and, and thank God, I mean, they healed, and I was still able to make the roster. But, like, I'll have, like, an ankle or Achilles or a knee or AC sprain. It's like I can't go in there and say nothing because, one, I didn't have the luxury of saying, like, because I, I played important on the team. Like, I was, I was a special team ace. But they would never say, like, all right, let's give Jeremy a day off so his hamstring can recover. It's like. Okay, well, we're gonna make it inactive. We might cut him, like that. That and that's just the life of a back end of the roster guy. So the guy I talked about earlier too, and low key a plug, John Van Patel, he wrote a book called The Fifty Third Man, and it talked about the life of a back end of a roster guy. And that was stuff we always have to be concerned about. Like, like, dang, I can't, I can't say my toes hurt because that might be a reason why they cut me. So a lot of injuries I had, man, like aren't documented because like 
I just wanted to make sure I still had a job. The only way I was not going to play is if I literally and physically could not run. And that's like if I actually pulled a hamstring. Um, so just trying to trust the Lord in that, which for the most part, that might show a lack of trust because I didn't go to the trainers because I'm thinking about what man's going to do over what the Lord's going to do. Um, but again, like I said, in all, the Lord is sovereign. Um, but yeah, that's just something else, like a back end of the roster guy we just had to deal with, with in regards to your question with injuries, man, just kind of just trying to find other ways and outside sources to heal these things because we just want to make sure we got a job for the next week. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, that's so crazy. What was that book called again? The 53rd Man uh, by John Papatella, man. Okay. man. Yeah, it, it, it came out. It runs through my story. I think uh, Matthew Slater's in there from the Patriots, uh, Austin Carr, my boy Marcel Aitman. Yeah, just, we just talk about our, our time in the NFL and just being like on the bubble, guys. Yeah, I'm sure that's you know frightening, and I'm sure it taught you a lot about trusting in God, trusting in His timing too. But yeah, Jeremy, as as we move uh, to what you just mentioned, uh, golf and gospel, tell me more about that. Explain explain the backstory behind that, bro. And, and thank you for asking, bro, because you know sometimes I have this eternal feeling like, man, people don't really care about golf and gospel, which kind of <laughs> hurts a little bit. But man, no, thanks for asking, bro. Um. So golf and gospel came to my head. Um, so I love watching like YouTube golfers, bro. Uh, and my favorite channel was Bob Does Sports. Bob Does Sports is one of my favorite channels, bro. And mainly so because one, they're hilarious, and Bob and Joey aren't that good at golf, <laughs> but they make it happen. FP's a dog. He, I think he says handicaps are two. Wow. And I just I actually enjoy watching. Like this is fun to watch. And then you have other channels like Good Good GM Golf who are one of the same. Buster Jack Golf, Four Play Podcast, and they're all awesome channels. Um, I remember one day I was driving at night. At night drives when I best talk to God, and uh, I remember I was just driving, and the Lord put on my heart, Golf and Gospel, and I was like, "Dang!" Because when you look at these pages, there's no faith aspect to it, and secondly, and, and truth be told, there's no there's no black presence. You know, which is not to say they're all great channels. Let me wrong, but I'm just saying, like, man, like, this is something I feel convicted to do. So um, I always say every episode, the priority is the gospel because the golf is not always that good. Sometimes I'm out there hooping. Like, sometimes I'm like, I'm striking the ball divots, bro. But then uh, other times, like, man, it's like, this is terrible golf. But, again, the priority is the gospel, so please stay tuned for this conversation. So I just I just went out there one time. My first episode I did with like my boy Zach Minner, who played in the league for about four or five years, and um, he uh, I just recorded on an iPhone, no mics, no nothing, just an iPhone. And obviously, when you're starting something, that's where you learn like, okay, this is what I'm doing wrong. This is probably be better. Um, so then I had a homie by his name is Jamal Jones. He played with me on the charge for a little bit. He's like, bro, you need to get lavalier mics. And then I started to get mic. So then I shot an episode with now my fiance and a few other people. And then you heard the audio was clear, but I'm still using the phone. And then uh, my boy Jamal hits me up again, you know, tell me about like obviously like the visuals and stuff like that with an actual camera. Um, and then I'm really frugal. But he was like, man, like if you truly believe in God, some God, you should like invest in that. And I was like, you're right. So then. Uh, I got put on to my homie. His name's uh, Noah Bredeger. He's my videographer. Uh, and he's a believer, too. He loves the idea. And now he just kind of shoots with me wherever I go for when he's available. I have other guys like the homie Daniel. Daniel's a strong believer, too. Uh, Isaac. Uh, but mainly Noah's like my main guy. And they just love the vision, you know. Um, 
and the whole premise of the channel is I'm competing in nine holes with somebody. I'm trying to win because I'm trying to keep the same structure I have as an NFL player. Like, this is my Sundays. I'm trying to get a dub. But the, the, the other thing I love about my channel, and obviously I'm, I'm kind of long-winded because I'm so passionate about it, is uh, I always want to make sure you show no partiality. And, and what I mean by that is a lot of podcasts, people only invite someone on if they're like a name. Like, oh, or if you got 400K followers, 500K followers, yeah, come on my channel. But if you don't, it's like, oh, well, no, there's no need for you. Mm. But I'm like, bro, ain't no partiality, bro. Like, if you got 500, 500 followers, you know the gospel, you know how to golf, let's play golf, bro. Like, you deserve to be heard, too. Or if you got 500,000 followers, you know how to golf, you know the gospel, come on the channel, bro. Like, you still deserve to be heard. And then I've obviously I've opened the door even more because some people can't golf but know the gospel. Let's go play putt-putt and let's share your story, man. So it gives an opportunity for anyone to talk. Uh, like my fiance, she's getting better at golf, but she ain't that good. But she 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 has some shots that be like, that's a good shot. Um, then I had like a homie, Emily, and my homie Jenna. We just did putt-putt because they can't golf. But it just opens the doors, allows other people to tell their stories, share the gospel. But in conclusion, bro, I always say, too, also shout out to my boy Torrance. Torrance is all like a right-hand man in golf and gospel. I'm trying to get him to show more face and stuff like that. He creates all the beats. He's the intro to golf and gospel. So shout out to the homie. But um, but dang, oh, I lost my train of thought now uh, saying that. But um, but yeah. But in, in, in conclusion, yeah, I just I just I just really enjoy it. Um, trying to figure out better ways to get it out there because, you know, in reality, metrics do matter. So I do want viewership to get up. Um, that's what I was saying. So even though it's called golf and gospel, you are going to hear the word, but it's not so spiritually exhausting where it's like all they're doing is talking about Jesus for 45 minutes. Like, bro, we're talking about sports. We're talking about food. We're talking about music. Like, I just had Lorenzo Alexander on my last episode. And I was like, all right, I'll give you a take on, you know, the Buffalo Bills and the Washington Commanders because you played there for a long time. We talk ball. We talk football. You know, I think any probably Buffalo fan or Washington fan will want to hear, like, okay, what's his analysis? He was in that organization. And then, but at the same time, you're going to hear the gospel, though, to some, to some extent. So, uh, yeah, like I said, that was long-winded, but I'm just so passionate about it. I just love it so much. Um, but, yeah, that's how everything got started, man. That's what it's about. No, yeah, I can I can see that passion. I see the passion on the YouTube channel, too. And I relate to that so much with this podcast. If you, yeah. The only credentials for coming on the podcast is not if you have 500,000 followers, if you play in the NFL. It's if, if you love Jesus and you love sports, that's that's good enough. Like, yeah. please, anybody and everybody that that does that is, it's good for me. And I love having conversations with anybody and everybody that, that does that. But Jeremy, how, why do you feel so called to, to share the gospel through sports? Man, it's funny. I uh, came out with a, a video a while ago, because I have some videos I'm just speaking. I talked about Ephesians 5.16, which says, um, make the be- they make the most of your opportunity because these days are evil. And... I wish I came up with golf and gospel while I was a player. And, and the reason why is because the audience is bigger. I have more eyes on me. And because of that, I'm able to have more eyes to share the gospel. Now, I always say as believers, if we truly believe in the eternal beauty of giving your life to Christ, as well as knowing the ramifications of not, then I'm going to share who Jesus is because if I'm commanded to love my neighbor in 1 John 4 8 what God is love that I want you to know about who Christ is and 
we have that responsibility. I think it was Matthew 5, 13, when Jesus told disciples, you are salt, like that's a responsibility. You are salt. Mm -hmm. He didn't say, hey, can you guys, no, you are salt. You have a responsibility to be salt of the world. You have a responsibility to be light of the world. And I just want to fulfill my responsibility. Now, do I do that perfect? By no means. I uh, think it says in Romans 5, where sin abounds, grace abounds more, which is great. But then Paul goes on to say, uh, but should we continue to sin? By no means. But we can have a, a, a certain glory or a certain gratitude because where sins abound, we always falling short. His grace abounds more. And I'm like, y'all, y'all need to hear that. And why would you not want to live out for someone who loves you unconditionally, no matter what? Because with humans, there's a limitation on our love. Hey, you, you, you stab me in the back once, I might forgive you. Do it twice, that's it. But like we can't outstand God's grace. So if we have that responsibility, I need to make sure, one, I'm proclaiming it. But two, again, I got to make sure I'm walking it. And I would say three, two, when you see me fail, see how the Lord's grace covered me. See how his grace covers me. And, again, I'm passionate about the Lord, too, because I, I truly believe, as it says in John 14, 6, that, that, that salvation comes through his son. The only way to the Father is through the son. And, um, and I, I encourage guys who are maybe have bigger platforms than me and you sincerely, Lord, Lord, like boasting that, like push that, man, because you have so many eyes on you right now. Once you're out of the league, not too many eyes on you anymore, unless obviously you, you do something else major. But, yeah, I, I just think, one, because sports brings everybody together and it gets an audience, like take advantage of that. Like, like that's, that's boasting the sport. And it's just, and also, it just like it says in First uh, Corinthians 10, 31, says whether you eat or whether drink or whatever you do, do for the glory of God. That could be in sports. Absolutely. I, I love the passion. And I, I, I went back in your, uh, in your YouTube channel some of your earlier days and, you know, now talking with you. Have you ever thought about being a pastor? Because you, I think you got what it takes, man. <laughs> nah, bro. See, so, see, this is the thing. And people have said that. Now, if you're just a believer, you have a responsibility to share the gospel. Yeah. Um, John 14, 15, Jesus told the disciples, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. That's everybody. Now, we look at James 3, 1. It says not all are called to be pastors, mm. right? Mm -hmm. They'll be judged with greater strictness. I don't feel called to be a pastor. I've never felt that tug on my heart. So I'm not going to try to put my, myself in a position where people are saying like, oh, I think you'll be a good pastor because I can quote a few scriptures or how much I love the Lord. We're supposed to be doing that regardless if I'm in the pulpit or not. And, and that's why I try to tell my friends because it's like, oh, you know all this word and stuff like that. It's like, so what? Colossians 3.16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So I want to do that. I want to let his word dwell in me richly. So if I don't have my physical Bible, I can still proclaim his word. But that doesn't mean I have to do it from a pastoral position. I can do it on this podcast. I can do it with golf and gospel. I can do it in front of my fiance. Uh, I can just do it at a regular speaking engagement. Um, but that doesn't mean that you're, you're called to be a pastor by any means. But, you know, if he were to tug on my heart and tell me to do that, then I have a choice. I can run away like Jonah and not do it, or I can be obedient to that and do it. But, you know, truth be told, um, I don't, I don't, I, I've never felt called. I've never felt convicted like, man, I should be a pastor. And some people who do, they, they go on to be great pastors. But like I said, just as a solely as believer, we're supposed to be doing this. We're called to do this. We're called to be salt, you know. So just because, like, maybe it's, perceive that I'm maybe a little salty than someone else doesn't mean I'm supposed to be a pastor. You know, you, the person next to me is supposed to be just as salty as me and so on and so on. 
So that that's 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 my take on that because a lot of people have said that. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great answer. It's an honest answer. I appreciate that. I appreciate the honesty. Yeah, Jeremy, yeah, this time has been great. I, I can't thank you enough for coming on today. The last question I had for you, I'm sure that you did not see golf and gospel in your future when you were in the NFL. What advice would you give to athletes or really anybody about you know expecting the unexpected when following Jesus? Go to humility, bro. Uh, I mean, my homegirl, her name is uh, Jessica Forbes. She always wanted me to start a YouTube. And I was like, I don't want to, you know. Um, but then the more and more it started to get convicted on my heart, kind of like I just said earlier, like, you have a choice to be obedient or or not be obedient to it. And obviously, you see more fruits when you're obedient to the calling that you have. So that's why I encourage people because, God's time is perfect. It could be something you totally unexpect. And once he puts whatever the the goal or the task on your heart, man, choose humility and choose to be obedient to it. And, you know, just believe in the fruits of what God has placed on your heart, man. So uh, even if that's the unexpected, uh, it may take some time not to say that it's uh, at a blink of an eye. You know, sometimes there might be some hesitation. Um but I, but I hope we could just fully trust that. Because, I mean, we look at the story of Gideon, right? He's like, hey, Gideon, I want you to do this. He's like, all right, I want you to – I'm going to put this thing outside, and I want you to make it rain everywhere, but on this. Came outside, it's like, oh, dang, it's dry. All right, Lord, all right, uh, let me make sure one more time. Like, even though Gideon wasn't sure, obviously God uh, affirmed it twice. Um, then Gideon was like, all right, let me be obedient to this call. Yeah, that's great. That's absolutely true. And what you're doing with YouTube and you have been doing for so many years now is so inspiring. I can't thank you enough for coming on. Uh, thanks for having me, man. And um, and I, I truly say this with, with a wholeheartedly, man. Any way I can be of service to you uh, and your podcast, please let me know, man. It's great what you're doing. Um, I, I, I like how we just, we're trying to have so many avenues just to proclaim in Christ, man. If it's through podcasts, if it's through music, if it's through television, if it's through YouTube. Uh, I just want to be able to you know, support brothers and sisters in Christ, man. Um, thinking like it says in Galatians, like doing good to those, especially in the household of faith, man. So mm. uh, anyway, I could be a service to you. Let me know. And, you know, thanks for having me on too. Another very special thanks to Jeremy for coming on the show. Can't even describe to you how much it's been a blessing to do, to do this podcast and just meet so many amazing people that are sharing the gospel for Christ out there in the sports world. For all you listening out there, thank you so much for tuning in today. Please make sure to subscribe and and share this episode with someone that needs to hear the gospel. Maybe that's an athlete that you know that just needs to hear uh, God's word. I pray that this can just be a resource for you. This podcast can be a resource for you. Thank you so much again for tuning in today. But if you don't get anything else from this, just remember this. Jesus loves you, and he's going to fight for you no matter what. Talk to you all next time.